Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, pastor here at Calvary in Aurora, Colorado. Some light snow falling uh, in Colorado and uh, here with open lines to take your call. 303-690-3000, or text me 720-336-0897. That works anywhere in the country, anywhere you can dial a U.S. number. That texting line is dedicated, so you come, when you text, it comes right here to the studio, and we are taking those texts to fill in time if we need to. And of course, the on-air number, if you want to join me and let's talk together on air, 303-690-3000. Now, I am battling a little bit of a scratchy throat, uh, battling a little bit of a head cold, I think, from getting back from Israel. What a glorious trip we had. A little bit of jet lag still. God was so gracious. I was coughing. I mean, Wednesdays are a long day uh, for us in the office. And yesterday, I was just coughing and trying to plow through the the day. And you know, I'm not. I don't feel sick. I just have this. <laughs> See now, it's already starting. This little scratch in my throat, and uh, and so right up to the Bible study, where I, I was so eager to be back in second Kings, especially this section that we covered last night, where you throw flour into the, when they, when the, they're making a meal for the prophets and they put some wild gourds in there and it's poisonous and they cry out death in the pot. And Elisha tells them to throw some flour in there, some meal. We look at it, you know, the very basic ingredients of bread. Uh, And when they do miraculously, God takes away the poison and, and so anyway, I was so excited to go through that section, and about 10 minutes before 7, I, I text uh, one of the pastors and said, hey, bro, just ask Pastor Ian to do a you know, a, a night of worship, and I'm going to save my voice, and I'm not going to try to do it. And then he didn't see it, because he was out doing something, serving people, which, which is beautiful. He didn't see it, and then you know, within five minutes, I changed my mind. I said, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach. And I'm just going to step out in faith. And if my voice can't handle it, then, I'll, then we'll call for a time of worship uh, right there. And just ask Pastor Ian. He's ready. He came back and said, hey, Pat, bro, I'm, I'm ready if you need it. And, uh, and so I went into the pulpit, taught the Bible study. I had to clear my throat a little bit. Uh, I had to clear my throat. And, but <clears throat> I didn't cough until the closing prayer unbelievable god was so gracious god was so gracious and so wonderful and it was it was beautiful and and uh, you know you god is so uh, faithful in so many ways that we may not see it and we just got to keep giving him the glory for the great things he has done we just got to keep doing it big small um whether whatever we perceive um we must thank god for his faithfulness 303 690 Wide open lines. 
Nobody's called yet. So give me a call. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Welcome, welcome everyone listening in on Hope FM. Hope FM covers uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we added Truth FM radio network covering Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. And of course, you guys here live on Grace FM covering most of Colorado on the western side of the Rocky Mountains and Colorado Springs, Fountain, Monument, um, and Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and some other cities. Even in Nebraska, the signal's so strong. I know it's been heard in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. So, of course, then we have people listening on the app and online and so many different places. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, and But it's not a show without your calls. So give me a call. I'm sure I could fill in the time with other things, but the show is about what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Uh, and so give me a call. And while we're waiting, I got a text message. Does God honor common law marriages? Well, let's talk about it for a minute before I quickly answer it, because I think it's a quick answer. And before I give, a, give the answer, though, let's just consider what a common law marriage is. A common law marriage is not something that a couple enters into. It's something that a couple becomes under certain laws in certain states. And basically what it means is, is that when a couple doesn't want to make a commitment, basically common law marriages were invented to protect the woman. So nine, I don't know what the percentages are, but most of the percentages is when a man doesn't want to make a commitment to a woman he has kids with and just wants to live with her. And they live together with children for an extended a period of time. The law dictates that they are married, whether they commit to it or not. Because usually in those kind of arrangements, the guy takes off and leaves the gal stranded, taking care of the kids. Sometimes it's the opposite, but most of the time it applies to the man. And so the law then, the law of the land then declares that a common law marriage so that they need to get divorced and there's child support payments and on and on and on. Uh, and so the, the question is, does God honor common law marriages? Uh, no, he doesn't honor common law marriages in the intent that they were, he honors a commitment. So make a commitment, give a vow, commit your ways to the Lord and marry the person. And don't let the law of the land dictate, hey, you guys shacking up and having sex and kids, you can call yourself a marriage if you want, but don't you don't have to make a commitment. No, God wants you to make a commitment in the eyes of God and in the eyes of your family and friends and of your kids. So my quick answer would be no. Um, does Is God pleased that the governments of man would do something to protect a woman that gets abandoned? Absolutely. I know that's not the intent of your question, but yeah, I mean, I'm grateful that there are laws on the books that would protect a woman primarily uh, and give her rights in the court system uh, when she's abandoned by someone that said he wanted to pretend to be her husband but really isn't. It's probably not the answer that you wanted, but you know, sometimes you just got to say it straight up. And if this question applies to you, then get married. Do it right. Go to your pastor and get married. Make a commitment before the Lord, before man, family, and friends. Just do it. Make the commitment, one that can't be broken by divorce, only by death. Make the commitment. 
303-690-3000. All right, let's go to line one. Daniel, calling from Denver, Colorado. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How you doing, man? Can you, can you hear me okay? I can. What's up? Oh, so I'm leaving a Bible study last night, and we were looking at the uh, book of Hebrews, and, you know, it, it's, you know, the King James says that Paul wrote it, you know, is, is, is there uh, any information you can give me on that about who, who the possible authors of that book? Yeah, there's a lot of projections, a lot of um, a lot of guesses. Um, we just started the Book of Hebrews as a church, and I came to the conclusion that Paul wrote it in Hebrew, or and and Luke translated it in Greek. But I think Paul wrote it. I think it has all the marks of a Pauline epistle. And remember, remember, Paul had such a heart for the Jew that he really didn't get a ministry to the Jew. Instead, he was more used among the Gentiles. And I think that this is his letter, his his desire to minister to the Jews because that's his people. and But we don't know for sure. So people can disagree, and, and it's okay. We don't know for sure, but I fall in the Paul category personally. Yes. And I have one more question for you, Pastor. So this is kind of, I don't understand this, what I'm going to say, so because it's very confusing to me. But, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, they, a lot of times there, there was... Um, you know, thousands of the Jewish people were killed by God because they refused to follow him. And, and after Jesus came, I don't really see that anywhere. Is it that there's more grace for, or for the people after Jesus than, than when the, you know, people were lining up and, and on sides and getting wiped out because of the side they chose? And I guess that's the best way I could phrase that question to you. I, I brought that up last night, and I really didn't understand it when I was talking to people about it. So I just was hoping to, you know, get well, that's a good question. Of it. No way. That that's a great question because when you when you read throughout the entirety of the scripture, you see death at every page, and sometimes death is is given as an order of judgment by God. But remember, the source of death is not God, but it's what. Sin. It's always sin. The wages of sin is always death. And the question of why did God have people put to death, like I was just looking in my studies. <laughs> Excuse me. I was just looking in my studies today uh, and thinking of the true story of Achan, how not only did Achan die, but so did his whole family because of his uh, rebellion and lying against God. And and the, the ultimate truth is is that they were all part of his hiding those things and they all paid the price for their sins. By the time that you pay by the time you fast forward to the New Testament, we have another question. And I think it's a more important question because things shift. Um, there's a couple things when that I like to ask when we're dealing with this because it is a hard question and it is a hard thing to conceive. So you ask the question, why were so many so many died? Um, and and that God commanded that. And, and I would say, why didn't more people die? Because everyone deserves to die because of their sin, right? Right. So if, if you flip that question around, you're like, wait a minute, why don't more people die? And that's because God was gracious and patient, even with the ones that did die. So now fast forward, we have another question. In the New Testament, the real question is, why did Jesus die? The perfect, holy, righteous one. And all of those deaths according to sin prefigure really looking forward to the cross. And because the fullness 
of death was taken upon Jesus Christ himself. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He is continuing to be patient. You know, the Bible says that his patience or his long suffering is for salvation. And and so whatever, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know God's not writing the Bible anymore. He's given us the faith once and for all, but he's not any different God than he was in the Old Testament that he is in the New Testament. He's a God of grace and of righteousness and of justice. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I I understand that. Um, And the most important thing that I don't think I was understanding on that was, you know, I didn't want to flip that because you could easily flip it around and say, why not me? You know, because actually that's the truth. That's the real question. You know, so, so more grace came when, you know, God, God, God's given us more grace through Jesus and, and through God Himself, and, and um, they had as many chances at grace as we did. I don't know if that's true, because people get to live longer, and, and you know, a lot of people, you know, like the people on the cross in, in our generation are, are turning, you know, in their bed dying and accepting Christ as their saviors, and and they still got to live their life, you know. So that's that's what the, the part of my question. That's a great question. But you did answer it. Could, could I ask you one more question, real quick one? Sure. Okay, so what would you think of somebody who says, I have the gift of interpretation and I have the gift of tongues? Is that a possibility? It is, actually. And, and if, you, if you go to 1 Corinthians, it actually encourages the person that speaks in tongues to pray for the interpretation personally. So, yes. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Great questions. You. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. A follow-up question to your questions. Got a text one here. Follow-up. My wife and I got married in the courthouse. Would, the, would that be something God would honor? Yes. Uh, would we have to get married in the church? No. Uh, thank you and God bless. But it wouldn't. it would be okay if you wanted to have a church wedding and you wanted to to invite your family and friends, and you wanted to use marriage as it was intended to be a picture of Christ and his marriage to the church, uh, it would be perfectly okay to go to your pastor and say, I'd like to have a marriage ceremony. We're already married. Um, uh, According to the law of the land, we've already made our covenants to one another, but now we're in a different place in our life, and we're believers, and we want to have a marriage ceremony in the church. Yeah, go for it. That would be awesome. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's move right on to line number two is Jay. Jay's calling from Denver. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude. What's going on? Um, Just driving home from work. Um, So I had a question. Uh, I was was just listening to the program and I seen that there was no... uh, nobody calling and so i was trying to think of a question to ask to kind of fill the lines um hey, before you ask your question can i can i just say your voice sounds very familiar yeah we know each other i just haven't been to uh your church are you doing okay while. are you doing all right yeah I'm, yeah i'm doing good man uh god's Got been it. uh doing some amazing things and uh so all you is well a strong walk with the lord your walk with the lord strong yeah, man, it's been it's been going real well. So good. All right, what's your question? What's up? Um, so I got married, and uh, 
it's been a blessing and definitely something from the Lord. And uh, so, I mean, her whole family is Christian and everything. And so, like, I got a bunch of support from her father and stuff. And uh, anyways, it just seems like sometimes with certain certain things, I feel like my role as a husband is not entirely... I mean, she's she's younger in the Lord than I am, but, I mean, she's growing and stuff. Um, but I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm trying to lead my family towards Christ, and uh, sometimes it's gotten a lot better, but sometimes, like, my wife, she likes to sometimes have a little too much to drink, and uh, it becomes a problem. And I told her, I said, I don't, you know, like, it's very clear in the Bible about drunkenness, and, you know, it's okay to have a beer and stuff, but the drunkenness thing is just not cool, and it's not cool with me because, uh, you know, she just treats me differently and stuff, and, and it's been something we've talked about a lot, and, you know, I've told her all the verses about drunkenness and then all the, the whole section in Ephesians about the role of the husband and the role of the wife, and, you know, not just her submitting unto me, but submission unto each other, obviously. And uh, I just feel like I'm not really making, I mean, maybe I'm making some slow progress, but it seems like a lot of the time, like, she doesn't really respect what my role is as far as being a husband, and I'm just trying to figure out what I can do differently to, like, be a better husband and, like, maybe make some more results because I, I just feel like I'm not, uh, like, what should I do when, when like, my wife knows what's up and I'm, I pray with her and encourage her through Scripture, and I still feel like whenever I try to address her, like, she always tells me things like, well, don't tell me what to do, or uh, it's just not very well received when I try to... Uh, you know, leader towards Christ. Sometimes it's not uh, not very well received. Well, you know, there's a lot of things in play with your question. You know, because God brings us into marriage, and we we kind of think that um, God's going to use marriage for our happiness, and then we find out that God uses marriage for our holiness, teaching us how selfish we are, how self centered we are, giving us platforms to serve and to serve well how to resolve conflict within the context of what the Bible has to say, how to lead a home. You know, it's so many, so many wonderful benefits of being married there, the way that God created marriage. And you hit a few roadblocks, I start to think, okay, how is your marriage when things are going well? Are you leading as a godly man? Are you worshiping with your wife together in a local congregation? Are you leader, leading her in other aspects of marriage? Are you washing her feet, you know, theoretically and, um, you know, symbolically, but also practically? Do you guys read the Bible together? Do you pray together? Um, you know, when there's sin in the home, um, that the antidote for sin in a marriage is forgiveness. And certainly it sounds like sometimes this drinking is getting over the edge and it's certainly sin, but, you know, she has brought it into the home and, and she has brought it into your marriage. And it's probably something that you knew already because, um, you know, with the idea of leaning toward drinking to begin with, you know, that n not most, m many people can't control themselves, especially young new believers. Um, they don't, they don't understand, um, the effects of it yet. And she's just, you're going to have to be patient with her as she works out her own salvation and grows and matures in the Lord. But 
this is a time where you go to your pastor and you sit down with them and, and talk it out with the third person um, because there is an order for marriage and getting drunk and willfully sinning is not following that order, but you just may not be the one that can deliver that to her, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, I'd, like I was saying, like her family, her dad is actually was a pastor a while ago, and he's actually lived like right down the street from him. But uh, he's been really helpful as far as whenever that kind of stuff happens, I go to him and I'm like, hey, so this is what's going on. And, and obviously she doesn't receive it too well from me, so try to uh, have her hear it from somebody else, but I don't think she really wants to hear it from her dad either. <laughs> well, she doesn't, you know, because the Bible says that you guys are to leave and cleave. And so the outlet to communicate to your wife <clears throat> is no longer her dad. I mean, it's not that he doesn't have a voice anymore, or that he, he doesn't love her, is not her dad anymore. That's not what I mean. But you're her covering now. You're the leader. And, you know, a prophet's not without honor except in his own home, Jesus said. So it doesn't surprise me that both her dad and her husband would not be people she wants to listen to. And that's why if she's not in, you know, if you guys aren't really, if you're not demonstrating a, a submission to authority in church life, then she doesn't even know what that looks like. She doesn't even understand what submission to her husband looks like because she don't, she doesn't see submission in her husband to anyone else. Um, perhaps, you know, I don't know the whole story, but um, if you're in the life of a church, in your life of a church body, the way God created it, then then you can demonstrate what submission looks like by being uh, living out life within the life of a local congregation, and that that's one of the outlets you can have. But you know, pray for her, be patient with her, and love her unconditionally with the love of Christ, and and wait patiently for God to work. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, bro. So, Thanks for right, calling, man. man. Thank all you. right, bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Let's move on to Dave in Littleton, Colorado. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, how's your afternoon going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, all right. I just um, I've experienced some things the first start of this year, and, and actually, it's it's lasted probably what what my problem was for years. I was had been divorced for about four years, and then. I uh, joined the church about three years ago, so it's, I'd say any, it's anywhere from five and a half to seven years. But I've just had this—I had this, uh, especially before the church, this constant pall of loneliness. I'd wake up and and I'd have really bad sleep, and and I experienced that for a while, even after joining my church. Uh, yes, everything was so powerful and strong. I thought, what is this thing, you know? And then. Finally, and usually around the holidays, I've had trouble, and and I had little incident this year with it. But then I uh, really, I don't know. I I know I changed a few things. I really poured myself out to the Lord one night, and I He showed me that everything but Him, He's the only thing that can fix me. And I saw all that. But then it and it, this was so bad for me that it took probably seven to 10 to 14 days before I even realized that it was gone. Suddenly, okay. this Paul is gone, and I wake up, I wake up now with, without no feeling of loneliness, no, I sleep better now instead of three and a half hours of sleep, and I, now I'm getting six, six and a half, and I know, but it made me think I had indirect exposure to Columbine and to Arapaho, and now this Florida school shooting. And it made me realize how 
I had roughly five years of this, and I just, oh, it was the hardest thing to deal with. And I, I can't imagine what some of these parents from Columbine, from the theater shooting, the nightclub in Florida, the Virginia Tech, the Vegas, what, think of what these families are going through. I mean, it scares me to even think that there's parents from almost 20 years ago waking up and maybe the first thing they think about is their kids. I mean, I, it's uh, that they've lost, and it's got to be so hard, and I really think we should keep those people in our prayers. And if you know any people like that, um, I just think reach out as best you can. And I, I haven't been to the Columbine Memorial. I think I'm going to go this year. Um, I worked about eight months before the shooting and recognized uh, quite a few kids that were shot i even i cassie burnell the gal that they asked if she believed in god or not she almost ran me over one day her long blonde hair streaming and i i came to love that school before i left i worked there about month month and a half and they being around those kids it made me feel i was about 35 then and i was starting to kind of lose my way as far as like physical fitness and things and they being around those kids i it brought it all back i started doing things I uh, actually did a little workout in one of the rooms I was working in, and I, from there on, I kept it going, you know. And mm. and I just feel so. I mean, I I think of Dave Sanders. Here's a guy who who uh, I remember sitting at his desk, flipping his softballs and looking at his trophies, and mm. and I was so wrong about people. And he he loved those kids, and he he uh, put himself on the line for those kids, and and. And people learn. I think teachers to this day still know his story. Even law enforcement learned to hurry up and get in that school because Dave Sanders basically bled to death and there. And and it was just, I don't know. I just okay, think let's, we really, uh, let's, sometimes let's it's the tie. people that are let's, gone that are maybe better off. And Let's tie this people. up a little bit. Have you considered, have you considered um, going to a uh, grief share class in a local church? or PTSD uh, training or, you know, ministry to the PTSD that you might be feeling. Um, I know that, you know, just listening to you talk it out probably gives you a, a real neat ability to, um, uh, you know, feel better and and feel better about knowing that, hey, it is good that many have gone home to be with the Lord. Um, but at the same time, those that lost them, um, it's not better. You know, it's not better at all for those that lost loved ones um, to have them in heaven. And so I strongly encourage you to <clears throat> check out a local um, a local grief share. You can go to griefshare.org. And also at our church here at Calvary Aurora, uh, one of our elders, uh, Randy, uh, he does a PTSD study on Thursday nights. And just a wonderful man of God and has um, experienced himself with PTSD and the victory because the tr even if you weren't there for the shooting, you are um, traumatized. Traumatized, you know, and it happens so much. Um, this late last one in Parkland, Florida, it's it's severe trauma, and it, it, it does something to your psyche. And so, brother, I'm sorry um, that, that you're feeling this way, but the Holy Spirit is going to be your friend. He already is. You have the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, and I commend you to him, my friend. So we're coming up on the first break here and the only break of our show. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora where, <clears throat> excuse me, where uh, Grace FM is a ministry of 
And we're just so glad you guys are listening. We want some calls from Tennessee. We want some calls from North Carolina. We want some calls from Kentucky. Next up is a brother from Philadelphia. So we want you to call from Truth FM. Um, I haven't personally received a call yet from Truth FM, so call us. I know it takes a few weeks to build an audience, but I know you guys are listening. And of course, you guys on Hope FM, call, call, call. Love to hear from you on the East Coast. 303-690-3000. And we'll be right back. But I don't hear the music yet. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Uh, we're doing it in, uh, man, nine, ten different states. Uh Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, Colorado, Nebraska, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and of course, online all around the country. Um, also on our free app, Grace FM, and on every platform. You can take us with you wherever you go, 303-690-3000. You can text me at 720 uh, I'm a little congested today, so please be patient with me. I just got back from Israel. Great, great trip. If you've never been to Israel, you've got to go. As we've been taught by Pastor Chuck Smith, he used to say that a trip to Israel is like a year of Bible college. It is. It is. It will transform the way you read the Bible. You'll learn the different topography, the distances. You'll be able to see with your own eyes. You can do your devos standing in the Garden of Gethsemane or on the Mediterranean. You, you can uh, see. What did I say? Sea of Galilee. Uh, you can pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we go take you up to the Mount of Beatitudes. That you know, we go up to the Mount of Olives and walk down, uh, down into the valley, uh, and then come back up into Jerusalem. It's just unbelievable. You can actually even walk through uh, Hezekiah's Tunnel. The tunnel they built in Hezekiah's time is still. There, you can actually walk through it. Unbelievable. The Bible will come alive. And um, we're planning our next trip in February. So after we announce it to the church, our church always gets preference. Uh, and then, um, you know, usually the church fills up most of the seats, but then we have some extras for radio audience. And if we do, we'll be sure to let you know. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's go back to, it looks like, Philadelphia. Tom is calling from Philadelphia. Welcome to the program. Hi, uh, hey, my name is Tom. My question has to do with, uh, for example, we've just seen the shooting in Florida. Uh, there yes. have been many examples where, you know, pretty horrific things have happened around the world. Uh, bombings yes. take place in Afghanistan. Um, how do we, how do we explain this to people who who doubt God and 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 they 
you know, we we believe that God is a good God. But how do you how do you how does this all work into God's plan? There seems yes. to be such an increase of evil going on in the world, where yeah. so many people are just just killed for no reason at all, like these kids in Florida. How do we? How do you tell somebody that's a part of God's plan and 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 make it make sense to somebody at all? Well, and you know, it, it's going to vary. Your answer is going to vary depending on the motive of the person. You know, if a person's really antagonistic and just really sarcastic, and it's going to be much harder to explain the the broader concepts of God and humanity than someone that's really asking the question. So let's just let's let's do it for the person that's real sincere and and wants a real answer to that question. You know, I think we start with the topic of death. Um, death is horrific. Uh, it's an enemy of God, and we weren't created. I don't believe the Bible uh, teaches us that we were created to handle death. You know, with Adam and Eve in the garden, it was a sinless, pristine environment where they didn't have to deal with death. And it wasn't until sin entered into the world that death entered into the world. And death through Adam has been inherited now by every other human being forever. So it, her death hurts all of us. You know, we, we, we often speak of death as, you know, untimely. You know, for example, in my own life, my son uh, was only 26 years old uh, when he died, and it's yeah. it's a it's a real Sorry, sad Karen. story, and and it's a very difficult situation, and there were circumstances that didn't have to happen, and 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 yet it happened. He he is in the presence of the Lord today, and and we would look at that as a 26 year old and say that was an untimely death, uh, and and for sure we would say that about the precious families and the children in in the high school in Florida. We look at that as an untimely death. And then we fast forward to someone like um, Billy Graham. And we say, well, look, Billy Graham, he's 99 years old and he died. And not too many people are referring to, to Billy Graham's death as an untimely death because he was 99 and he lived such a long life. But, but I suggest that all death is untimely, that that wasn't God's original plan. God's original plan was wrecked by sin and so we, when we start with the topic of death, we have to remember that death comes to all of us. There isn't anyone listening right now that's going to sidestep death. The only ones that will sidestep death will be the ones in the rapture of the church. That's it. You know, those that will, the, the general rule of the Bible is that it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. And, and so right. then when we, when we consider death is always untimely and it's always wrong and it always hurts, no matter what the age, no matter what the circumstances, although some circumstances are worse than others, death is always horrific. It's never fun to stand at a graveside, no matter what the age of the person is or the method of dying. It's all horrific. And then we ask, where does death come from? Death comes from sin. The wages of sin is death. And so because we all face death um, and we all have sinned, we're, we're going to have to deal with it multiple times in our lives. And reconciling the goodness of God, well, the goodness of God is not necessarily seen in the death of humanity, but in the res death and resurrection of his own son, Jesus Christ. So that through the sacrifice of his own son, you and I, even though we die, we're going to live. And so, for example, with my son, he's alive right now. He's probably more alive now than he ever was on the earth. 
And not only that, but I have the hope of eternity to being with him soon enough. And and so, you know, we we have to we have to to consider the the value of love and freedom. Because in order for love and freedom to exist, I mean, in order for God not to make robots and to actually allow us freedom to express ourselves, even the freedom to rebel and to hate God and die in your sins, there has to be the, con- the, the, the consequence of that love and freedom, and that is sin and now the wages of sin. And again, it's going to be a discussion with the per- person, but, but I think right. when you start with death and you start to talk about that with them, you begin to level the playing field. And remind them that even in this horrific tragedy in Florida, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Is there any way a, that you can talk about something good coming out of something really evil like that? How would you How I, would you address that? I think a lot of good comes out of evil because it mobilizes people to action. You know, you you even though some people are moving into the political realm, or some people want to picket this or. It moves people to action, and and it stirs up, you know, trials in general, stir up in our lives things that weren't there recently. I, I know, I know that while, um, and you know, I can speak to other people that have lost children. Like I would never ever want this to ever happen, even in the whole circumstances of how it went down and how he was treated in the hospital. I would never want that to be done to anyone, not even my worst enemies. Not even the decision makers. I wouldn't want it to be done to them. But I can say this. The loss of my son has given me a heavenly heart. It's softened my heart. It's, it's caused me to be a better man, a better husband, a better dad to my kids, a better pastor. Like God only wants to bring good out of tragedy. But when we only look at the crisis and the circumstances, we become bitter. And we need to get our eyes back on God and the goodness of God because I can bemoan and mourn my losses my my son i can't see my grandson i can i can i can bemoan all of my losses but the reality is is that i'm living on god's time and i i trust him with my life and i trust him and and i could look and say oh man i miss so many years with my son and i do for sure my heart's wrenched out of it but i'm telling you i got to spend 26 years with him and i appreciate that from god and i receive it as a gift and uh, i just did a series of bible studies tom here at the church, it's called Help for the Troubled Heart. I think okay. they would be very helpful. We're trying to develop it into a book. Um, you know, it's not happening as fast as we really want, but we're praying for the right people to come a part of our team and develop this into a book. But the studies are on our website and on our app. And I, I lay out this theology of suffering through the, the Bible studies. I think they'd be really good for you in a time like this. Okay. I will look that up. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Calvary Aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A. And you know there's a great Calvary in, in Philadelphia, right? Uh, yeah, Joe Foch. Oh, yeah. So I know he's gonna, done a lot of Chris great— Chris Swanson out, out in Exton, Pennsylvania. That's right. Yeah, I'm going to be out uh, in that way uh, coming up here soon. I'm going to be in uh, New Jersey at the Bridge Fest with um, Lloyd Pulley and those guys at Calvary Chapel Old Bridge here in the summertime. Oh, good. I'll keep my ear to the ground for that one. All right, Tom. God bless you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, Let's go ahead and run right over to James in Boulder, Colorado. James, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon. What's up? Hey, I just had a uh, quick question for you, or maybe two. Uh, <laughs> I got, uh, well, one is, uh, uh, it, it just has to do with uh, Abel and Cain. Okay. And my que- my question is, uh, in the, in the, well, maybe, maybe I should start with um, when Eve was deceived by Satan. Um, wh- and uh, I'm not understanding if, uh, at, you know, at first I thought she was, uh, you know, she, uh, Satan just misled her to uh, eat of the fruit of, tree, you know, good of knowledge. Um, and then that's what, uh, you know, God told her not to do. You could eat from any other tree in the garden, you know, just don't mess with this one. Um, now, I, I I don't know, somewhere... Somewhere in my mind, uh, I had heard, uh, or maybe somewhere out uh, in public, or maybe I was reading something somewhere, it said that she might have had a relationship in that garden with with, um, with Satan. Yeah, she and, did. And uh, is, is that true? Did she, it is I mean, not is, true. Did she, it is true? It is not true. Oh, it is it's not true. Yeah, it's not a biblical so, concept. It was an invention of man. He, she did not have relations with the with the devil. Okay, that 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 that's that's what was leading me to my second question of uh, is the devil's son Cain? No, the devil's sons are anyone that follow him. Right. That's 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 what that's what I had thought, and that's what I knew was correct. And so when I heard that from, I don't even know where I heard that from. I I was like I was blown away. I was like, really? No way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you called to ask because. You know, sometimes we can stew over things, and and the answer is actually just simple. We just need to hear it from someone else. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, that 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 really straightened me out, and it uh, doesn't have my mind wandering too many places. Right on. Well, thanks, <laughs> oh, my brother. Um, okay. uh, uh, last, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I just wanted to no. say I uh, have a prayer request for. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to uh, you know uh, people going through hardships and uh, and. Uh, you know, I just uh, I, I just wanted to see the uh, you know around the world. I, I just wanted them to, uh, to see the upside. You know, out of every situation. Um, you know, God says, uh, you know, even when you're wronged, you know, kind of you know, be joyous about it. You know, smile um, because you know you know that He has your back and uh, that He is, right. He's working behind the scenes there to make everything right. Um, and it might not be the way you see it going, but. Uh, you know, it's it's all part of the plan in the long run, um, and uh, you know, you might just be that uh, part of the puzzle that inspires um, others to talk about it and open up that part uh, so other people can work at it, so it's better in the future. And I just wanted to, you know, say a prayer to everybody who, you know, has has lost a loved one, and and uh, or you know, who hasn't lost a loved one but is is traumatized by. Uh, you know, seeing others lose um, other people, and uh, and and then having to having to deal with that. I just uh, I just want them to all know that hey, man, God's got you back. He loves you, man. And and, and you know, when you do pass away, you know, uh, you know, as long as you're you know believing in Jesus Christ, that He died for your sins, uh, came to save you, man, died on that cross. Uh, that you guys have uh, you know nothing to be afraid of, um, and that everything uh, you know His grace, you know, uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm a sinner, so I know that you know uh, I'm not going to be saved by works or anything. So I know that uh, you know just by uh, you know acknowledging that you know he's uh, you know he's our Lord and Savior that uh, you know hopefully he has mercy on me, um, and so that way I can you know give my love and affection that he wants me to 
the the idea, you know, of him moving me like a chess piece, you know, on this on this planet to the best, you know, that he can he can do that. I don't know if I'm making sense in a in a way. <laughs> I do think I do appreciate your encouragement, James. Thanks, bro. God bless you. You're welcome. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. Bye bye. Oh, so good. Such a great show today. 303-690-3000. Again, you guys in Tennessee and North Carolina and Kentucky, call us. We've already gotten our calls from New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Maryland. And, of course, we get calls all the time up and down the front range here. Uh, you guys not in Colorado, the front range is all this western part of Colorado, like Denver, or north from Denver, south from Denver. Uh, and... You know, we're just so grateful. Grace FM's been on the air for seven years. We're in our eighth year now. And just so grateful to serve the community and and then to birth this show with the various pastors. I'm so grateful that the team of pastors, uh, very good friends of mine, are uh, fill in during the week, um, like Pastor Jeff Figs, uh, Pastor Nick Cady. Um, I take these days, of course, Pastor Eric Cartier tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, uh, the guys that fill in. Sean and and Nate uh, and uh, Jason Vandeveer, just good good stuff. Uh, we we are devoted to serving our community, and this is one of the ways our church sows seeds of the gospel in our community and beyond. So when we ask for finances or anything, just know uh, if the Lord puts on your heart, just know it goes to the gospel, and it just we get the word out. We still have one station left. We want to buy. Uh, down in Canyon City, Pueblo area. Uh, we want to reach the prisons down there. So whenever you drive down there or you think of Colorado, just pray that one more station that be the right price, be easy to maintain. Uh, because, you know, it's super expensive to have a radio station. <laughs> uh, something we kind of anticipated, but it's not a cheap thing. So 303 David from Parker, Colorado. Welcome to the program, David. Hey, Pastor Ed. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, man. What's up? Um, I just have a, a question, uh, and your your screener helped me kind of focus a little bit. But um, just when we're dealing with fellow Christians, particularly um, whether they are uh, newer Christians who maybe are, are less mature, or or cr- other fellow Christians that you think and and admire as being mature. And you see them going through problems where you think, you know, I, I've been there and I've worked through that kind of situation, and I think I have something that could help them. Um, but that help isn't really requested, you know. It's the, the unsolicited advice. Um, I'm just struggling with how, how we should approach those kind of situations where you feel like, boy, I could really help this person out by sharing with them um, what I've been through, but they just are reluctant to or even adamantly aggressive against uh, taking any, any advice on that. Um, just wondering if, if that makes any sense and if you have any advice uh, for me in that area. Well, well you know, as a pastor, um, not everybody wants my advice and not everybody wants to hear what I have to say, uh, especially when it comes to counseling and, and opening the word and, and having to confront someone. But you, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and if you're dealing with someone that says they're a believer, that's really great news because if they are a believer, then they have submitted to the authority that is bigger than you or me, and that's God's Word. And the Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it has power in it. And and so, you know, I'm always looking prayerfully and carefully. Those two words always come up when I'm having to deal with difficulties in people's lives. I want to be prayerful, 
as I as I head up to the the confrontation, the opportunity, and I want to be careful. Um, I, I want them to listen to me. Uh, I want them to receive the word of God. They may not, you know, they may not make the decision that day, and I just have to trust that God's going to take care of them, you know, and He's going to deal with it. It's He's the one that brings conviction, you know. He's the one that's going to bring change. I'm just going to be the messenger, um, and you know how you know what they say. Uh, it's easy to kill the messenger uh, and not receive the message, and that's just the way it is. And you have to be careful as well, because the Bible says, uh, I, I always remember in Jude, it says, uh, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that's defiled by the flesh. Some people you have to be gentle with, some people you have to be strong with, but all people you have to trust God with. And just do what God's put on your heart. If he's laid on your heart to tell somebody something, tell them. Don't worry about what they, whether they like it or not. Just tell them because that's what love does. Love speaks the truth. It's not loving to be passive aggressive. It's not loving to not tell someone the truth. You know, it's not loving to be deceitful. It's not loving to keep things to ourselves. The loving thing to do is to pay whatever price it ne- we have to pay in order to confront someone with the issues in their life. And just, you know, I like to think of it this way too. Most of the time, I, I like to picture in my mind, most of the time, it's a com- my conversation is kind of like putting my arm around them and walking alongside with them. And that's a real gentle conversation. Only occasionally, very occasionally, do you have to get up in someone's grill, you know, in someone's face and be really strong with them. Most of the time, you're just taking them on a walk, talking about the things of the Lord. And, uh, you may not encounter this as often as, as the rest of us, because you, you are a pastor and you do have that place of authority. But when, when it, the conversation leads to a point where you feel like, you know, I need to really reevaluate my position. I need to make sure that my position is, is correct here. If, if you've done that and you feel like you have been reinforced by the Holy Spirit that, yes, that is, that is the truth, um, how, uh, how does that work? Well, you know, it does happen to me more often. It does happen to me more often than you think because, you know, I don't live my life as the pastor. I just live my life as a believer. And sometimes it's the role of the pastor, but, you know, with friends and things. And what you do is you you share what you need to share and you commit them to the Lord. It's like the gospel. Some people plant, some people water, but it's only God that brings the increase. It's only God that brings conviction of sin. It's only God that can change your friends' hearts and the matters that you've been talking to them about. And you just got to commit them to the Lord. You said what you needed to say, and that's that. What if it feels like it's a whole, an entire denomination that you feel um, needs to re-examine their position and, and needs to maybe take stock for the fact that they are, are spreading disinformation and lies in the world in the name of God, yeah. which I think is a violation of the Third Commandment. That's, it is, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain is, is impersonating God's authority to, yeah. to serve your own ends. And when people, entire denominations, are, are using misinformation for their own agenda, and it's right. hurting our nation and, civil, and citizens of our nation, um, and your heart hurts for that, and so you, you challenge people on that, and they rebuke you and say, no, you, got, you are out of the mainstream, you are out of line, you need to change your thinking, not the other way around. Well, it's sort of like Paul. I mean, it's sort of like Peter. You know, he when he was st- well. First of all, my, I'm thinking, um, who was Jesus the the 
the most uh, hard on? Who was Jesus the Jesus. most, the, the strongest? The one you know? who would deny him three times before the cock crowed, right, Peter? The rock? No, actually, the, the Jesus was the strongest against the religious rulers of the day that misrepresented God, like you just described this denomination. Gotcha, he he gotcha. gave his biggest rebukes to the Pharisees, who actually started out well but didn't end well, uh, and they created a religious system instead of uh, a, a, a pathway for people to worship God freely. You know, and Jesus would come and set the record straight as God in human flesh. And, and so the feelings that you're having are very similar to what Jesus had when he came to earth toward the religious rulers. So remember, denominations are just people. You know, they're people, leaders that, um, you know, they're, they're humans that are in positions of authority that are making really bad decisions. And so I remember Peter, when he stood before the Sanhedrin, he goes, man, whether, it's, wh whether you think I should obey you or God, you choose, but I'm going to obey God. And he took right. a stand with God, and it sounds like you're in a position where you just need to say what you need to say, take your stand with God, get out of that system, and get into a, a, a fellowship family where your gifts and talents can be used, and that you will not be... A lot of people stay at the church they're at, they go, oh, because I think I can help change. I think you can't help change. If God's telling you to go, you need to go. Um, the system is much bigger than you. And they kill, you know, the, did Jesus change the Pharisees? He did not. They killed him. They True. killed him. And, and it sounds like you're in a position where God is beginning to speak to you, where you stand for what is righteous. I think you always take that stand, but it's time to get out of the system and get on to a fellowship family where you can run uh, with what God's given to you. Because, you know, you, you don't want to spend your whole life declaring what's wrong. You want to spend your whole life declaring what's right, the gospel the good news. That's what's going to change people's lives. God didn't call us to change denominations. He called us, or even to create denominations. He called us to, to, to make disciples by preaching the gospel. And you're going to want to get on track with that. And you know, let these frustrations be set aside so that you can, um, you can be used to even greater ways than you have been up to this point. And, and uh, I apologize to well, just a little bit further with this, though, because Peter, he he went on, and the Holy Spirit had to correct Peter through Paul later, because Peter kind of retreated to that cultural familiarity of of Judaism, and and he was, you know, not treating the Gentiles correctly, and so Paul had to really set Peter straight later with that, um, and so it's you know even people that are mature believers. Can can turn away, and I I guess the reason I bring that up is because I I feel like I I did I I've been going to churches that call themselves non-denominational, and what I'm finding is that in these non-denominational bodies, it, it's really omni-denominational, as in it's not an herbivore uh, or a carnivore, but an omnivore. It, it's multi-denominations, and it's, so you encounter people here who have. A variety of different, you know, you, you get Calvinists versus Arminians. You get uh, to, to have tongues ceased, or they continuing, and there's all these different debates that, where denomination, at least it's clear from the outset of what the expectations are. But you enter a non-denominational congregation, and you get a mixed bag, um, and and so a lot of the things that that are being put forward as truth are, are really questionable, and have been and have been questioned for the history of Christianity. Well, all I know is this, bro. I can only speak okay. for myself. 
Okay. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ is going to last. And so, you know, if you can get out of the mud, because there is a lot of mud, I agree with you, a lot of mud, a lot of theologies, a lot of theologies of man, but if you can get out of the mud and and set all that stuff aside, let men do what they want to do, let them argue, let them post, let them write blogs, let them do what they want to do, and you can get out of the mud and run your race because you're going to die pretty soon and you need to get busy about the kingdom and, and don't worry about the arguments of man, don't worry about all this just teach the Bible as you believe it to be true live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit and that's where you're going to make a difference for all eternity I promise you that I appreciate it Pastor Ed alright brother God bless you David thanks sir alright hey we're coming up on the end of the show and I wish I had a little more time with David he's such a great observer I agree with him all this mumbo jumbo craziness in the church today it's crazy but I don't want to be a part of it I just want to run my race. And I'm sure people, well, Ed, you do this and you believe that. You know, I don't have time for it. I'm just going to run my race. And I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to respond to your Facebook posts and your blogs. And I'm not, I, don't, I'm not, I don't have time for that. There's people dying and going to hell, and I want to be a part of their lives. There are people grieving that I want to comfort. There are people in the hospital I want to visit. There are, there's the Bible to be taught, men and women to be discipled and encouraged. That's what I want to be doing. And I hope you want to join me. Join me in running this race for Jesus Christ. He alone deserves your full attention in life. Go to church this weekend and let's serve him together. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.